The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Are you ready? The showstopper, Mr. WrestleMania. Degenerate into something fool. We just got tired of doing what you told us to do. That's a brace, boy. Yeah. Well, you love Sean Michaels or you hate him. It's really irrelevant. He's a magnificent athlete. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Hello and welcome to the very first edition of the Heartbreak Kid podcast, proudly brought to you by the SJP World Media Network. I am your host, Sai, and I suppose we better dive into why I'm doing this in the first place. Uh, anyone who knows me or has listened to any podcasts I'm a part of know my Shawn Michaels fandom runs very deep. I believe that uh, Mr. Michaels is... He's always in the conversation for the best ever. In my opinion, I, I, I struggle to put even two or three above him. I think this guy is... He's, he's my all-time favourite, along with Ric Flair. But I think when you look at the criteria of professional wrestling and what makes a great... Uh, I hate the term, but what makes the great a great sports entertainer, I guess is the phrase that is used a great deal nowadays... Sean ticks a lot of the boxes. Uh, Sean looks the part throughout the majority of his career. You know, receding hair in the later years aside, maybe. For those who are maybe more in-ring, work-rate fans, I suppose. Guys who, you know, fans who enjoy great quality wrestling matches above all else. Sean's name is always mentioned in some of the best matches of all time polls. Uh, when it comes to being able to work in singles or tag matches... He can do that. He was a fantastic heel and a great babyface. And obviously we've got the whole, you know, comeback kid story as well from uh, the back injury and his drug addictions and so on to the second run of his career where I think that he put on some of the, possibly the best matches that we've ever seen, especially when it comes to coming from WWE. Uh, yes, I'm biased because as I say over and over and over again in numerous shows of mine, Sean is my guy. However, I, I really genuinely believe that Shawn Michaels is, for all of his faults, let's be honest, he wasn't always a pleasant individual to be around, apparently. He was disruptive backstage. He caused a lot of issues. I mean, these are well documented, and these are things we're going to get into during the course of the podcast. For all of his faults, I don't really think there's anyone I can put up there when it comes to an all-round wrestler that did it better than him. Yes, okay, there may be better technicians out there. Uh, the Bret Hart fans in the world will argue Bret, and I, I agree, I think, when it comes to the, the technical aspect, the, the mat wrestling aspect of, of professional wrestling. You've got to tip your hat to Bret. He's, he's probably, probably is better than Sean at that, I would say. 
when it comes to talking, mic work, etc. Yeah, there are guys better than Sean at that as well. When it comes to the aerial aspect of professional wrestling, something that's very prominent in today's product, I guess. Uh, the high, the high flying moves, the flipping about, the high spots, and so on. It advances so quickly. I mean, we're seeing stuff in modern day wrestling now that we didn't see back in Sean's peak or even his early days or his later days or whatever. But, you know, Sean was up there with that as well. But you're always going to find guys who are better at that than he was. But I think from bell to bell, when it comes to telling a story and all round, when you take into consideration, he was very good on the mic. He was a very good wrestler. He could fly about. He could brawl. Yes, each aspect of that, there might be somebody better than him at that aspect. But as a whole package, I find it incredibly difficult to think of anyone better than Shawn Michaels all round. But again, that's just my own personal opinion. And as I said, Shawn's one of my favourites of all time. So I'm going to have that, that viewpoint, I guess. The way that I thought I would approach this project is, first of all, in my mind, I'm thinking this is going to be a solo show. Uh, a solo project i mean that may change that there's there's plenty that i could be looking at in later weeks months and so on but at the moment i in my head it's a solo project which is something i'm not very used to doing i've done a couple of solo shows in the past uh it's something that i want to try and do more of and i want to give a big shout out and and thank you to our friend from elite fpl and the total steve podcast total steve uh, he does many numerous solo podcasts talking about his life, his musical tastes, his, his, his love of certain music and so on. And also his his pro wrestling fandom or, or lack of it with regards to certain times of the product he would be reviewing. And I'm inspired by Steve-O. I think what he does as a solo podcaster is incredible. And I think to myself, I would like to get better at that. I would like to have that as something I could fall back on if needed. Doing a Shawn Michaels podcast is something that has been in my mind for a very long time. Again, just because, you know, I've always enjoyed the guy's work and, and talking about Shawn and so on. So that's kind of where I started with this idea quite a long time ago. Now, why I'm doing it now, I, I don't, I, I can't tell you. I can't tell you why now is the right time. It just feels like now is the is the opportunity to do it time-wise and so on. I think I'm quite fortunate in that the majority of the matches I'm going to be looking at in early episodes are pretty short, so I can record in bulk and so on as well. Um, but yeah, it just kind of seems like the right time to do this. And again, inspired by Steve-O and his solo podcasts. And also Tyler Peters as well, who, who's doing a new show for the SJP World Media Network called Tyler's Takedowns, doing solo projects himself. And, and, and Benny Mac as well on the network doing solo shows for In The Corner on occasion. I have so much admiration for the guys who have done that. Um, Dan Griffin did a solo project for the Doctor Who pod as well. Um, Magsy has done a solo show or two for the network as well. And again, I've got so much admiration and almost envy in a way of how great these guys are at what they do. So I wanted to give it another go after earlier efforts at solo shows that didn't I wasn't 100% happy with and so on. Uh, and that's kind of how we've come to this situation now and the the show that you are listening to after after pressing play today, which I thank you hugely for, of course. The way I think I'm going to structure this podcast, initially, 
initially we're going to be looking at Sean's WrestleMania career. Uh, a couple of reasons for that. One, I don't know how long this is going to last. I'm going to look at all of Shawn Michaels' WrestleMania matches in order. That's definitely going to happen. Beyond that, if people enjoy the show, if I'm enjoying doing it myself, then I may move on to other pay-per-views and do those in order as well. So I may go, when we finish Shawn's WrestleMania matches, I may move on to doing all the SummerSlams in order and so on. Uh, the reason I've decided to do it that way is because... First of all, Sean is obviously referred to as Mr. WrestleMania. And I think you, if you look back, the general feeling anyway, if you look back at Shawn Michaels' back catalogue of WrestleMania matches, I think it'd be incredibly difficult for anyone else to hold a candle to that. However, we also have matches at WrestleMania that maybe go under the radar a little bit. Uh, whether that's because they just weren't very good or because they're not talked about because the match he had the year before or the year after was exceptional. I also didn't want to go through Sean's career in order, pay-per-view to pay-per-view to pay-per-view, because, first of all, that would take an incredibly long time. But secondly, after you know, six, seven weeks of talking about six-minute-long Rockers matches, I'm probably going to get a bit, you know, my head's probably going to turn to mush a little bit over that subject. And I imagine people listening will get a little bit fed up as well. So in my mindset, if we go through WrestleManias first, we're going to get a few Rockers matches in the early early part of the, of the podcast's life. We're then going to get a few of the, the singles matches with Sean as a heel in the IC title runs and so on. Then going up into the main event picture, and then the comeback and, and the DX stuff and all, all that sort of stuff. And I think that we'll get more of a, uh, a sort of, survey across the timeline i suppose quicker in that aspect and then of course providing people are enjoying listening to it and i'm enjoying doing this we can go back and look at another pay-per-view and run through and who knows that there may be occasions where people on twitter shout out particular tv matches of sean's they enjoy and they'd like me to take a look at or you know whatever there's various different things we can look at discuss and so on so that being said the first match we are looking at with regards to the Heartbreak Kid podcast, as I said, we're going through WrestleManias in order. So Sean's first WrestleMania appearance was in 1989 at WrestleMania 5, which came to us from the Trump Plaza in Atlantic City. And he is tagging with, should we say controversial character, Marty Gennetti? Probably the politest way I can put it with regards to my past interactions with Mr. Gennetti online, that's, I think that's, that's quite pleasant and civil from my aspect. He deserves a lot worse, in my opinion, but there we go, never mind. Uh, the, the tag team of the Rockers, of course. And they are taking on the team of the Twin Towers, managed by Slick. And the team consists of the Big Boss Man and Akeem the African Dream. Oh, dear me. Um, the first thing I noticed about this pay-per-view when I press play is that we've got one of those fantastic 80s you know, WrestleMania intros, the graphics, the music, and so on. I say one of the fantastic WrestleMania 80s intros, one of the best actually happened in 1990 between the Warrior and Hogan and, and those famous shapes in the stars and Vince McMahon shouting and yelling, of course. But I, I count that, even though it is 1990, it's still got an 80s vibe, an 80s feel to it, of course. But the intro to this is very short, but fantastic. We then get a shot of the Trump Plaza and the... The way it's you know, the, the the way the indoor arena there is done out with regards to the curtains, the lighting, and so on, it looks pretty spectacular. Uh, 
Now, it does turn out that many wrestlers and referees and officials on the day for this WrestleMania and, of course, WrestleMania 4, which was held in the same venue, said that there was a few issues with it. Uh, the, the, the shape of the, the the room they were in, so to speak, um, didn't allow certain wrestlers to be able to interact with the crowd as much as they would like, but I guess that's a personal thing. Uh, the biggest complaint we have is the, the entranceway. It's very long and narrow. But there's a lot of steps as well because the, the wrestlers are coming from a, a, a higher level down to where the ring is. So from a from a personal standpoint, watching this back, I think it looked really good. But from a professional standpoint, for those guys who actually worked these these events, there was a few things behind the scenes that people weren't over the moon with, shall we say. Uh, our commentary team is the brilliant Gorilla Monsoon, and I think the sometimes overlooked Jesse the Body Ventura. Uh, Jesse worked with Vince McMahon for a great deal of his commentary days, uh, and he also here worked with Gorilla Monsoon and in, in other events as well. I really like Jesse Ventura on commentary. I think the guy is fantastic. I remember him commentating for WCW in the early 90s when we were getting it over here uh, worldwide on ITV and so on. But also Jesse commentated with Tony Schiavone, on SummerSlam 89, which is one of the first wrestling events I ever owned on VHS tape, and I played it to death. So I've got a bit of a soft spot for Jesse Ventura as a commentator. And here with Monsoon, the dynamic works really well. Added to a little bit by the fact that the referee is Joey Morella, who is Gorilla Monsoon's, I believe, adopted son. He's definitely, he's, he's his son anyway, but I believe he's an adopted son. And obviously behind the scenes, this is well known. And Jesse Ventura on commentary spends a great deal of the match basically calling Gorilla's son an idiot straight to his face, live on pay-per-view. Um, and at one occasion, there's a lot of double teaming by the Rockers, which is kind of their thing. Mons- uh, sorry, Ventura, apologies, is shouting for the referee to throw one of them out of the ring. It's illegal. They shouldn't be doing this. Uh, Monsoon says about the, there's a five count that should be applied. But Jesse Ventura very quickly responds, you know, quick as a flash, lightning quick. He probably can't even count to five, Gorilla. And we get the standard, will you stop from Monsoon and so on. It's just brilliant nostalgia from from my viewpoint, being, you know, the age I am and uh, a wrestling fan as a kid at the time I was. Just hearing these voices really does take me back to being a, a kid and watching pro wrestling back then when I was younger. The singing of the national anthem at this WrestleMania is is done by Rockin' Robin, who was Jake the Snake Roberts' little sister, and also uh, the WWF Women's Champion. I'm not sure why she is singing this. I think I read or heard somewhere that uh, the person they booked originally couldn't make it, whether they were ill or they let them down last minute or just no-showed. I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, Rockin' Robin sings the national anthem and your heart goes out to her a little bit. It's not it's not her forte and you can see she seems a little bit uncomfortable doing it. But there you go. You know, she got out there. She did it. Fair play to her. She's got more guts than I have because I just simply wouldn't have done it. So there we are. The uh, Before the match, we get a, a pre-match interview with the Rockers. Mean Gene is hosting this, and the big, the biggest thing we notice is, well, first of all, both guys, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, they got bags under their eyes. They look a little bit, um, well, excitable, but also tired at the same time. So that's interesting to note, but we'll come back to that in a short while. And both of them refer to the tag team of the Rockers as Grease Lightning, saying that it's going to be difficult for 
the Twin Towers, who are much bigger, stronger, more powerful guys, to be able to catch them because they're Grease Lightning. It's not the greatest promo in the world, but at the same time, it's not terrible. It does its job. It's a very 1980s mid-card promo, I guess. They're, it's, Sean and Marty are both still learning their way, especially on a, a stage as big as the WWF or as big as WrestleMania. They previously worked as the Midnight Rockers for the AWA and other territories as well and had a shot with the WWF before this before their reputation of you know partying and and being idiots and so on kind of got them fired and this is the, almost their second chance i suppose yeah it's they're still trying to find their way but you could see that you know they weren't stuttering over their words like i might do here first of all uh, but they, they 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 did okay but you could tell by looking at them that they maybe hadn't had as much sleep as they wished beforehand but there we go uh, Slick is in the ring with the Twin Towers and we are hearing the music that accompanied Slick whenever he came to the ring, which is an interesting tune on its own. Um, the match begins with both both members of the Rockers, Marty Jetty and Shawn Michaels, displaying a lot of speed and moving quickly around their bigger opponents who are obviously much larger, heavier and, and you'd imagine stronger and more powerful as well. And that straight away tells you kind of the format that this match is going to run in and it's very easy to do i suppose i mean i'm not saying it's easy you know per se i've never been in the ring i don't know but i'm, I'm just i'm just going by the fact that if you've got a smaller guy or a smaller tag team and some the opponents are bigger and stronger the story tells itself straight away for me in my mind because you can go by speed versus power and that's kind of kind of the way this match is formulated right from the off we have the speed and uh, the quickness, the high-flying, the high-energy moves of Giletti and Michaels, the Rockers tag team. And we have the much slower, more methodical, power-based, maybe not even power-based. Sometimes it seems, I, I wouldn't know the correct term, maybe, I want to say weight-based, because the Bossman and Akeem are big dudes, and they are using their much larger frames to dominate their smaller opponents with regards to their weight with, with lots of splashes and, and corner splashes and the fact that the, the rockers can't move them around easily because they are so much bigger than them and so on again coming back to how the match was put together that makes sense to me because if you are a guy that size you would take advantage of that particular advantage wouldn't you you know i'm, I'm assuming uh, as I said, the match begins with uh, the Rockers displaying that, that quicker side to their game. Uh, all four end up on the outside very quickly before coming back into the ring. And then we get a little bit of a standoff before Michaels starts the match with Bossman. We tie up and Sean is eventually lifted up and placed on the ropes and slapped by the Bossman. You know, quite patronising and so on. But, you know, it is what it is. It's displaying how powerful and huge the Bossman is in comparison to his much smaller opponent. And Shaw just jumps off the rope and nails him right in the back of the head with a dropkick. And it looked incredible. So straight off the bat, we're looking at Shaw Michaels in his first WrestleMania match and thinking, wow, that was pretty spectacular. Uh, the match goes back and forth in the early set, in the early stages. Akeem tags in and we get the funky little um, African dream dance, which he always looked a little bit awkward doing, I suppose. And lots of lots of double teams by both sides here the referee desperately frantically trying to you know keep control and if a tag is made he's counting to five and not disqualifying anyone and that's when we get jesse ventura complaining when it, the rockers are doing it but not so much when the twin towers are doing it which again is his role as the heel commentator i guess uh, the rockers start working akeem's arm 
with lots of arm ringers, wrist locks, and so on, uh, before there's a blind tag to the boss man. And as Marty Janetti is still working Akeem's arm, the boss man sneaks up behind and just absolutely flattens Janetti, destroys the guy. The heels then take control for a while, and the pace slows right down at this point. And again, rightfully so. I mean, from, from two aspects, I suppose. One... The heels are bigger, slower guys. So that's you know just the nature of the beast. It's how it's going to work. And two, you don't want a heel team flying around the ring looking spectacular and exciting the crowd because then they're going to be looked at favourably. You want the heel team, in my opinion, to be slower and maybe, I wouldn't say less interesting because you don't want the crowd to lose interest in the match. You want them to keep up with what's going on. But you don't want... You don't want the you don't want the heel team being applauded for what they're doing. If they put together some fantastic move set and they're flying about the place and whatever, you don't want them overshadowing your baby face team. So the two aspects of why that that happened, the the obvious one is is of course the size and the fact that these are big plodding guys. But the secondary factor there that enters my mind, I think, is really important with how you put together tag team matches from outside looking in. Anyway, as I said, I don't really know what I'm talking about. This is just my opinion. There's, a, there's an insane clothesline later on, which we'll come to. But Akeem misses a splash into the corner um, on, on Gennetti after frequent tags by the heel, t- the heel team, uh, frequent exchanges back and forth between them. Um, and again, it's all big power moves and so on. Uh, before Akeem misses that splash, gets the hot tag to Shawn Michaels. Shawn jumps over the top rope, nailing the boss man with a drop kick as he does so. Janetti miraculously recovers at this point, despite the fact he's been beaten upon for the last five minutes. And Janetti and Michaels are doing plenty of illegal double teaming again, which, you know, Ventura is objecting to hugely. Uh, lots of drop kicks, arm drags, uh, and so on. And again, we see the size difference in the two teams being really prominent in the Rockers' offense because Janetti and Michaels have to both Irish whip Akeem or both Irish whip the boss man to send them into the corners, being unable to necessarily do it on their own, which again is another nice little touch to show the size difference between the two sides. Uh, Michaels is, you know, he's got the hot tag, the crowd are behind him and so on, but he's cut off by this clothesline by Akeem where he just rips Michaels' head off. He absolutely wallops him. The noise is sickening. Sorry, Michaels hits the mat with some force. Um... He's out for the count. He looks done. The big boss man climbs to the top rope. The boss man attempts a top rope splash, which is pretty spectacular considering the size of the guy in this particular era. He misses this, however. Sean then jumps up onto the boss man. It looks like he's going for what might be nowadays known as a hurricane rana, um, but he's caught by the boss man. So Michaels is kind of up in that almost just about to be powerbombed position and Janetti runs into the ring and I got a little kick out of this Janetti runs into the ring behind the boss man and crouches down on all fours almost like in that playground manner when your mate would crouch down behind someone and then you give them a push and they'd fall over them Janetti does that so that as Sean drops down the boss man falls over Janetti onto his back that was a, I really enjoyed that nice bit of comedy it was, it was great stuff uh, both Janetti and Michaels climb to the top rope 
they hit a pretty spectacular considering the era and the time and what we were seeing from the WWF in this era. They both hit a top rope drop kick. It's a bit mistimed. Janetti goes a bit earlier than Sean. Um, Sean is the one who I think is at fault here because he doesn't take off at the right time and he kind of misses the boss man, but it still is pretty spectacular for, again, the era and what we saw from tag team wrestling at this time, especially in the WWF with the likes of Demolition and so on. Sean then decides he's going to come off the top rope again. But on this occasion, he's caught by the boss man in a very similar position to how he was earlier on when Janetti tripped him. He was caught by the boss man in that kind of just about to be powerbombed position, almost like a, an attempted head scissors position. And this occasion, the boss man does manage to slam Sean to the mat. He catches him facing the turnbuckle, turns to the center of the ring and drops him. So it's almost like a powerbomb crossed with a almost like a, the way Arn Anderson would pick somebody up and spin them 180 degrees to hit his spine buster. It looked really spectacular, really, really good stuff. Uh, from there, we get a tag to Akeem. Akeem hits what Gorilla Monsoon refers to as Air Africa. So I'm assuming this is his finish. It's just a big splash. And Akeem gets the three count by pinning Sean. The match goes about eight minutes and change. And what I'm planning on doing with regards to these matches is giving them a personal ranking out of five and i i enjoyed this it's a good decent mid-card tag match it served the purpose the rockers were loved by the fans uh the, the bigger guys went over it made a lot of sense everything that went on in the match the the, the speed of the rockers versus the size and the power of the you know the twin towers to me pretty good so I'm happy to give it a sort of middle of the ground rating of, of two and a half out of five. So there we go. That's the first look at Shawn Michaels' uh, WrestleMania career here on the Heartbreak Kid podcast. Uh, before we go, I've got a few notes here from Shawn's book entitled Heartbreak and Triumph, which is a fantastic read if you enjoy anything Shawn Michaels. I understand a lot of people hate the guy and I, I can understand why. Trust me, I really can. Sean says about this particular day. The next milestone in my career came at WrestleMania 5 in Atlantic City, New Jersey. I was very excited to be there. Teresa, who was his girlfriend or maybe wife at the time, Teresa came up for it and Marty bought his girlfriend too. We were all staying at Trump Plaza and the night before we went out for a couple of drinks. Marty and I wanted to do something special for our first WrestleMania and had talked about doing a double drop kick off the top rope. While we were out, I suggested that we give it a shot tomorrow against the boss man, Anakin. We were having a good time, everything was positive, and we decided that we would try and get it in, into the match. The four of us stayed out for a while, and then when we went back to our rooms, I ended up getting in a fight with Teresa. I became so angry. I left the room and headed down to the lobby to cool off. As I came out of the elevator, at the very same time, Marty came out of another elevator. It turns out he had had a fight with his girlfriend too. We just looked at each other and headed to the bar. We drank till four in the morning. I managed to get about four hours sleep. When the alarm went off, I thought to myself, great, my first WrestleMania, I have a huge hangover and I'm going to be working on practically no sleep. I don't remember much about getting ready for the match, except being extremely hungover. I can recall popping some fastins, pills that were supposed to get you going, and drinking tons of coffee. The match itself turned out pretty well. We took a pretty good beating and managed to get in the double dropkick spot. We weren't perfect on it, but the fans screamed for it. 
It was a positive thing, but back then I felt like I could stay out all night and still tear it up at WrestleMania. Yes, I mean, uh, from that aspect, I mean, again, that's read directly from Sean's book there. From that aspect, him, it's almost like he's feeling sorry for himself, isn't it, at one point? that The line of, oh, great, I've got my first WrestleMania and I'm hungover, I've only had a certain number of hours sleep. It's your own fault, Sean. You didn't have to stay out drinking. But there we go. There we go. Next week, we will be looking at the next WrestleMania match in Shawn Michaels' career. And this was at WrestleMania 6 against the Orient Express. So hopefully you will join us then via SJP World Media. And anything I'm involved in, if you want to hear more of my voice talking different subjects, lots of wrestling, some Doctor Who, etc., etc., can be found via the SJP World Media Network. And you can find all of those great shows by me, Dan Griffin, Benny Mac, Matt Lewis. There's so many creators on that on that platform, I can't even begin to list them. So many great shows, shows coming to you every single day of the working week. You can find all of that by searching at SJP World Media on Facebook and Twitter and all of your podcast players, platforms and providers. I want to say a huge thank you to everybody for taking a punt on this first edition of a solo show talking about a wrestler that I, you know, have always really enjoyed his work. Hopefully it came off okay. Hopefully it will get better as the weeks progress. Um, any thoughts or feedback, etc. Don't hesitate to reach out at SJP World Media on Twitter or at SJP Words is my own personal account as well. So there we go. Hopefully you've enjoyed this and hopefully you'll check it out again next week. As always, thank you for listening. It's your heart out.